computer. <clears throat> well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to another session of OBW Talks, the podcast of Old Baptist Weekly. And welcome, welcome, welcome on the uh, dais or the peanut gallery with me is we got Brother Jerry Anstey. Say hello, Brother Jerry. Hello, Brother Jerry. Brother David. I can't get his last name. Montgomery. <laughs> Say something, Brother David. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, Elder Joe Holder is on the air with us. <laughs> and we are so thankful to have all of you. The subject we intend to discuss tonight God being our helper, and we will certainly need him to be our helper, is the subject of redemption, a glorious subject uh, that uh, the bedrock of our beliefs, along with a couple of other doctrines. But we might even throw in some uh, brief discussion on propitiation. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But we're going to get into it, Lord willing. I hope this will be an edifying discussion. But more than anything, I hope it's the truth and, and glorifying to our great Lord and Savior. So before we get Brother Joe to level set us, let us have Elder David Montgomery to lead us in a word of prayer, please. Be bow with us. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to discuss that word with these, our dear friends. We pray you bless our conversation to be fruitful, edifying to that people, most especially honoring to thy name. I look forward to studying with these brethren and learning more about thee. What a great adventure to be able to do this with each other in this capacity. We ask that you uh, bless it to that end. Bless our minds, bless our actions, and our words. Thank you for this opportunity. May all glory and honor be unto thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Go do us, do your typical outstanding job. Thank you. Thank you. You set the, you set the target high. <laughs> um I think let's start with basics. The Bible, especially the New Testament, uses many different words to identify our salvation in Jesus. Why? Because I, I don't think any single word in human language, any human language, could possibly capture the entire scope of what Jesus did for us in his life, death, and resurrection. So God gives us a lot of different words to stir many thoughts and bring us to a richer and broader and deeper sense of what he has done for us. Common words that do appear in scripture, atonement, very common in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, used uh, to my recall at the moment only once in the New Testament, but a very critical passage in Romans chapter 5, verse 11. The word, it identified Old Testament sacrifices and an exchange or a restoration to a position of favor from one of disfavor. In the New Testament reality, Jesus by his sacrifice and his operation of love and grace, exchanged our sins for his righteousness, our condemned setting and standing with God for his perfect standing with God. 
that's thumbnail, but that I hope that captures at least a sense of the word. Then the word reconciliation. We do use the word reconciliation today in our language, uh, often relative to relationships. People fall out of favor with each other. They have, have moments of tension and 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 dislike, perhaps even, and then maybe perhaps with the help of someone mediating, they're brought together, they realize they have more in common than they don't, and they work out a sense of reconciliation. The uh, voice de defines the word in his commentary as to remove grounds of hostility and transform the relationship, changing it from one of enmity to friendship. I would further qualify Boyce's description, changing it to one of family, not just mm -hmm. friendship. Right. Uh, two key passages dealing with reconciliation, Romans 5.10, right next door to 5.11, and atonement. And then quite a good discussion in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. I'll go ahead since Mike raised the word propitiation, used only one, well, maybe more than one time in the New Testament. I'm thinking of particularly of 1 John 2, 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. One of my preferred New Testament Greek dictionaries, Lau and Nita, defines the word in that verse as Christ himself is the means by which our sins are forgiven. In kindness, I would offer an observation. The common use of this passage in modern pulpits says, way, the text says way too much. This doesn't say he is a, a proposition of propitiation. He right. is factually the propitiation for our sins. Amen. And if he's the, the, the means by which our sins are forgiven, the people under consideration are forgiven people. There's, yeah. there's, that is a fact of the passage that we need to never forget. The word redemption or redeem, if, if you hear the word today, it's probably in, in, in the setting of a financial investment for perhaps for your retirement. Often governmental agencies will float bonds, long-term uh, capital improvement or building type of financial uh, arrangements. You will buy those bonds at a guaranteed rate of interest. They're not a high yield investment. They are typically viewed as a very safe investment. Over time, that entity will assess taxes, collect money, and at the maturity date of the bonds, they will redeem the bonds. That means they will pay you, the investor, the principal you invested, plus the interest you have earned over the time you had invested the money. So to redeem means to buy back. To there is it's a it's a fixed financial transaction. Again, it's not a propositional kind of thing. It is a factual transaction. I want to look at the word from two perspectives. 
first of all, from the Old Testament. And I would refer you to the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, and from verse 25 to the end of the chapter. God, when he distributed the land of Canaan to his people Israel, he assigned the land to basically in perpetuity. Israel in the Old Testament did not have real estate sales the way we think of them today. A particular tribe and within that tribe families owned the land perpetually. However, people got in debt. Sometimes they got deeper in debt than they could pay. And so there were provisions in Leviticus 25 that a man could sell, for example, his services to his debtors for a period of time. They would assess the value of his service and they would equate a period of time. It, it's, it's, uh, it's almost a form of slavery, but uh, there was always a limited time. No matter how great the debt, no matter when the, the servitude began, on the year of Jubilee, all debts were canceled and people started with a clean slate. So you could not commit yourself beyond the year of Jubilee. There's a wonderful, wonderful principle in the Levitical provision of the, the, the management of debts. During this time, a man has sold himself into servitude his first obligation during that time is not his land and his farm and his crops, but his masters, the person to whom he owes the money. However, God provided in the Levitical code that someone in this man's family, identified in our King James Bible as a near kinsman, He's, it, the relationships are specifically named. A near kinsman could go to the, the, the holder of the debt, pay the debt, and set his relative free, the near kinsman redeemer. In many places in the New Testament, there's a different concept, no doubt, in mind. But I would suggest in Hebrews chapter 9, 12, I believe the Apostle Paul writing to Jewish Christians who are discouraged and thinking about throwing in the towel and giving up. I'll read, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Let me suggest that the Jewishness of this lesson in its setting, goes right back to Leviticus 25, and hmm. we may safely conclude the only one God would allow to pay our debt of sin was a near relative. And that's right. Wow. That means before Jesus died for you and me, we were his family. Amen. We belong to his family, and he is our near kinsman, qualified to step in and take the debt we could not pay. As we go into the Greek or Gentile letters, such as Ephesians, let's read, and then I'll look at a different definition, more from the Greek 
and Roman perspective. In Ephesians chapter 1, I'll read verses 7 to 10, and probably as well verse 14. There's a different aspect listed or mentioned there. Ephesians 1, 7 to 10, in whom we have redemption. We have it. We don't have the prospect of it, the proposition of it. We have the redemption. It belongs to us already. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And then verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance, a deposit or a down payment, guaranteeing delivery of the final product until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. I'd love a wonderful point. Gathered together in the first reading, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one. one. If you look at a good New Testament Greek dictionary, the definition is almost identical to the English word, gather together. But many of those dictionaries add one more key word, gather together again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> ah, these people belong to him. Something happened that broke that bond, and he repairs the broken bond and restores together again that which was broken between him and them. As, as preachers say to each other, that will preach. That'll preach, I love brother. that point. I love it. In the, the typical Roman culture of the first century, there are technically two words, but actually three, two of them are different forms of the same word, translated redeem. The first word simply means to buy in a marketplace. You pay for it, you redeem it, it's yours, you take it home with you. The second word is a form of that same word, but it adds a a very significant nuance. To buy out of the marketplace in such a form that it will never go back to the marketplace. It's a permanent purchased possession. And the third word simply means to love, to set free, to deliver, to deliver by payment of a price. So in redemption, in the New Testament, we have a clear pattern of financial transactions and the absolute history and security. It's not propositional. It's not conditional. Payment is made. The merchandise you bought is yours. Now, I have, this is very basic. I want to do one more thing. I I haven't done this in in our blog 
yet, but people who know me know that I occasionally enjoy good Christian poetry. This is a poem written by Augustus Toplady, the man who wrote Rock of Ages Cleft for Me. The title he gave to this poem is It Pleased the Lord to Bruise Him. From whence this fear and unbelief did not the father put to grief his spotless son for me? And will the righteous judge of men condemn me for that debt of sin, which, Lord, was charged on thee? Complete atonement thou hast made, and to the utmost farthing paid, whate'er thy people owed. Nor can his wrath on me take place, if sheltered in thy righteousness and ransomed by thy blood. If thou hast my discharge procured and in the sinner's room endured the whole of wrath divine, payment he cannot twice demand, first at my bleeding surety's hand and then again at mine? What happens if someone demands double payment for something? It's a dishonest transaction. God is not dishonest, folks. Right. If thou for me hast purchased faith by thy obedience unto death, he must the grace bestow. Would Israel's God a price receive and not the purchase blessing give? His justice answers no. Turn then, my soul, unto thy rest. The merits of thy great high priest have brought, have bought thy liberty. Trust to his efficacious blood, nor fear thy banishment from God, since Jesus died for thee. Amen. Amen. Now, I've level set. You guys have at it. <laughs> oh, man. There we go. Still again. Love. Go ahead, Jerry. <laughs> level level set. Uh, I could have sat here all afternoon. <laughs> Just let you continue to set the level, Brother Joe. So many, many, many wonderful points uh, that that you made, and I really I appreciate so much you um, getting us on the on the track of considering the the terms relative to our salvation. I love what you said that uh, a single word. It is just not sufficient to to plumb the depths of of the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus, and and what a blessing that is. Uh, but I, I'm glad I get to go before Brother Mike here, uh, and I'm only going to do this, and then I'm going to uh, turn it over for for Brother David or Brother Mike to to jump in. Uh, some time ago, Brother Mike uh, made available, at least to me anyway, uh, the ancient Hebrew. Um, and, uh, it's, it's in our, one of our, one of my Bible study programs. And I, so I looked at redemption in the old Testament. I love what you, what you said about the, the, the definition of the word, uh, in the ancient Hebrew, the pictograph, it's a, it's an oval circle and it's an open mouth. And then the other picture is a, a line with the little box underneath it. And that's a door. The, the translation of it is open the door, open the door. It causes me to think of a song that we sing sometimes, thy, thy mercy, my God. Through the mercy of God, the door is opened un, unto us through the mercy of God. The, the, 
narrative is, and I love the, the image of this, when one is redeemed, they gird on their clothes for leaving. They're leaving the condition that, that they are in, whether it is one of, being, of selling themselves into uh, servitude because of poverty or whatever the case might be. And, and Brother Joe, I love that you, you mentioned uh, the year of Jubilee. And, and uh, aren't you thankful that we live in a time of Jubilee? <laughs> the age of Jubilee. We live in the age of Jubilee. Um, and, and, and the last part of the narrative. So, so when one's redeemed, they gird on their clothes for, for leaving. So there's a, a connotation of exiting through an open door to bring back a thing to its original state is also a part of the narrative. Uh, I think that fits the, the, the word picture. And Brother Mike, I thank you so much for uh, sharing that with me because oftentimes it, it really paints a word picture that is so beautiful to, to what's under consideration. And, and I think that fits very well, Brother Joe, with the definition that, that you brought forth, particularly in the Old Testament, but, but even yet in the New uh, the doctrine of redemption. What a precious doctrine it is. So I'm going to stop with that and sit back and let somebody else jump in on this. Cause I know you guys are chopping at the bit to do yeah, that. No, Dave, Dave's ready. <clears throat> no, no, you go. go. No, you go. I'm, I'm oh, still, no, no, no. Uh, I'm still mulling. I'm still mulling. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike, please. Oh, so I don't get Seriously. to mull myself. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you mull. I'll mull and you go. Well, um, I'll just throw these things out here. Not that I know the answers uh, to all of them, but to stimulate some further thought on this great subject. There is redemption taught throughout the New Testament. And and the Apostle Paul certainly contains, in his writings, contains the most references to redemption, as I understand it. Uh, But he, uh, he does use it uniquely to make certain applications or points to the people to whom he's writing. And one is, for instance, redeem the time. Uh, that's not, that doesn't point us to the redemption that is in Christ. Well, you could argue that the death of Christ made all that possible that we could redeem the time, but it, 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 you know, it has a unique meaning. Um, then redemption doesn't always refer to what took place on the cross. Uh, although it may be, based on what happened on the cross. And I think about what Romans 8, 23 and the text that brother Joe read out of Ephesians one, the, the purchase possession to redeem the purchase possession. It almost sounds like he's saying redeem the redeemed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, and, and in the verse in Romans, it talks about, and about not only does the whole creation grow, but we ourselves also grown within ourselves, within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. And in short, I, if I can say it like this, he's simply talking about the resurrection of the dead, that the redemption of the body is the bringing forth the body from the dead. But of course, the fact that the word redemption is used uh, indicates almost as if there's a purchase being paid, you know, but I think the purchase, the price was paid on the cross. So what he's re, what he's paid for, he's coming back to redeem it out of the earth. So mm. far, so good, brethren. Okay. Amen. Yes. Um, 
There's another couple of ways I think Paul uses it, and twice are in 1 Corinthians. And I, I'm going to need to read this to make sure I get it right. <clears throat> and it's very practical in nature. Um, one is 1 Corinthians 6.20, the other is 1 Corinthians 7.23. It doesn't use the word redemption, but it's obviously what it's saying. First place, it says, for ye are bought with a price. Should be no guess what he means by that. The shed right. blood of Christ. You're, he yes, paid for no, you. No and then he says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The point being, we don't belong to ourselves. No. We are the possession, the purchase possession that uh -huh. Christ came to shed his blood for, to pay for us, to ransom us. Right. Right. Um, and then 1 Corinthians 7.23, you're bought with a price. Be mm. not ye the servants of men. Well, I think what he's saying is, you belong to the best master that ever has been the 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 uh, the great Lord High, our God, our Savior Jesus Christ. We belong to Him because He paid for us, and so we should be uh, be mindful not to belong to to, to uh, think that we belong to anybody else but Him. And I think that has some great application for us in our lives: is to remember who we owe our lives to. Not to our families, not to even to the church, certainly not to businesses that we may work for or that we may own, certainly not to the government. We belong to the Lord, and that will inform the decisions that we make throughout our lives, I think. But lastly, I just want to say most of the occasions that redemption is used, no surprise, has reference to the cross. The the verse that Brother Joe read out of Hebrews. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to be trying to misunderstand it to, to get that it means anything yeah. other than what Brother Joe said. But I think about Romans 3.23, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption of Christ Jesus. Uh, so what I, whatever you want to say about justification, the channel through which it is there for us is the redemption of, and, it, and that redemption is in Christ Jesus. And since it's in Christ Jesus, only those who are in Christ Jesus are those who he redeemed. <clears throat> and again, that's talking about the elect. So <clears throat> the, the questions that I want to throw out, um, why, what, why the need to pay a price? Why that kind of a price? And why by that? that one who offered that sin, because there were who knows how many animals were sacrificed supposedly to uh, remit sin. But we know from what Paul says that, that uh, it was only for the flesh and, you know, it uh, could never take away sin by those kinds of sacrifices, but the redeeming death of Christ did. So there has to be something unique about him and what is that unique thing that causes what he did for us to be satisfactory to God? Okay, I've said enough. That's three questions, Brother Mike. That's not one question. You, it's you one said question I have considered a, in two, uh, three ways. You, you no. said, I have a question, and, and then you use the word why three times. Well, stand you in the ways and, and walk in the old path. So there are ways in the in the path. So there there are ways in that there verse are way beyond what it's supposed to be. <laughs> Oh, oh, I do have. I, I okay, think those are... say, there's three questions, Jerry. I'll give you first whack at it. 
Yeah, well, I, I I know Brother David is is sitting there just ready to pounce, and and I want I, I want to it. give him that opportunity. Didn't listen to Brother David. I didn't even hear the question. You're trying. You're thinking about so much of what you're going to say, but <clears throat> I didn't hear. I didn't. Yeah, I was thinking about what I was going to say. I didn't even hear your question. Did you ask a question? I did. Three questions. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hear one. But what three? I didn't hear a question. What were your questions again? Let's see if I can remember them. Uh, <laughs> why? Why is? Why does God? Why? What does the scripture say about why God requires? redemption and why is it that no matter what that thing is could it only be done by the one person what is it about him that made what he did the kind of price that god uh expected to pay to be paid to him to to satisfy him okay it sounds like two questions, but okay. It, it's three questions, but I, let me let me just jump in and oh, say, okay, this. and then I and then I'm gonna then I'll slide it over to brother, hey. brother David. Hey. Uh, brother Joe first. <clears throat> you know, hey, really, uh, brother Mike, the, the questions that you raise, and and I jest by saying that there's three. There's probably more than three, yeah, right? Yeah, there really are. But, a lot of, but a lot the, of questions. the three that three you the, the three that you lined out, I, I would I would take a stab at it this way. Um, Righteousness and unrighteousness do not coexist. They cannot coexist. They, they cannot occupy the same space. The, the unrighteousness that came uh, because of the sin that, uh, of Adam that entered into the world, um, it, it drew a wedge in between. The, 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 and the evidence that we have of that is that Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden. Uh, they were forbidden to eat. Of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil um, and uh, the tree of life, excuse me. And they were driven from the garden. There is, there was a, a banishment that took place, a separation. Uh, so if, if there was going to be reconciliation and brother Joe, I love dearly that you started with looking at the, the various terms and the things you said about it. And I don't know if y'all agree with, with me on this, but I look at rec reconciliation to some degree as counting the cost uh, disruption had taken place. The ledger had been moved, uh, being out of balance. Reconciliation, the concept of reconciliation is, is the need to bring it back in balance. What is the cost to bring it back in balance? Hmm. Uh, the cost was the perfect, imputable, imputable blood of Jesus Christ. It, it was it, would, it could not be anything of man because in Adam, we all died. Correct. There, there was absolutely nothing that, that could be brought from, uh, from Adam or his descendants that would even remotely meet the price that would be required. And so God prepared himself a sacrifice. So I look at the atonement as the means. Uh, reconciliation, count the cost. This is what it's going to require. The atonement is the application of what it required. And then redemption, the beauty of redemption is that it is, uh, it's the byproduct of it, if you will. Uh, it, the, the blood was shed, it was accepted, and we are redeemed, not by corruptible things, but by the precious blood of, of Jesus Christ. So that's why it had to come at his hand. 
it could come at no other hand. The, the beauty of the doctrine of redemption inclusive of those other things in my mind is it, it takes man, uh, even though man, the people of God, men, us, the people of God, I trust, even though we are the recipients of these tenets of doctrine through the sovereign grace of God, we are passive in them. We cannot facilitate them. Uh, it's not possible. I, I know there's a teaching out there in the world that you can redeem uh, yourself just to one degree or another, that Christ went so far and then you've got to take it the rest of the way. Uh, that doesn't align with reconciliation. <laughs> Because God set the price. And once it was set, it was set forever. And thanks be to God, he prepared himself a sacrifice. And boy, did it meet the expectation. Mm -hmm. boy. It met the expectation. So that's my stab at your three questions. And yeah, I don't know yeah. if that was where you were running at, but that's kind of how it, it went through my mind. Well, I'm fixing to take things to a whole different direction. So, Joe, you got something to say about what uh, Mike, Mike, Mike said? Yeah, and, and I don't want to step on your toes, but no, 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 no. before we leave the passage in Romans 3, Mike, verse 24, when you read that, I got a two by four up to the side of my head. You did. Something I'd never noticed or thought about at the, at the conscious level. Being justified freely mm -hmm. by his grace yeah. through the redemption, redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Paul mm -hmm. does something unique here. Justified is a legal term. Redemption is a financial term. Okay. Right? <clears throat> it brings the two together. Yeah. Our justification Good. translated into modern U.S. jurisprudence. The juries are the court's verdict, not guilty. We were guilty. How could we be recipients of a not guilty verdict? Just we How? By his grace, graciousness. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. That's, that's beautiful. How did he do that? By paying the debt we owed and could not pay. Amen. On, on Wednesday night, I, I mentioned uh, after the sermon, Jesus' lesson from Matthew 18. The first man owes a debt of $12 million. He can't pay that in a lifetime, even though he no. says, have mercy and give me time and I'll repay it all. Nah, <laughs> not possible. He, then he becomes a, a, an ogre toward his fellow who owes him twenty dollars, mm. and when when the first guy who held the twelve million dollar debt heard it, come back. We need to talk again, and he reinstated the debt. Um, what Paul is saying here is our not guilty verdict was accomplished by Jesus paying the legal guilt debt we Amen. could not. Amen. Thank you. Amen. That is rich. That's right. Okay, Dave, it's all yours. All right. So it, it tied into that. That's a good segue. Uh, a little often not, not really known uh, definition of redemption. And I, and I read from my dear brother, Noah Webster, 
the liberation or restoration of an estate or the purchase of the right to re-enter upon it by paying the principal sum for which it was mortgaged with interest and cost. Mm. The right to re-enter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Talk about that. Uh, I, I, thanks. Thanks. Uh, we had it. We had a state or an estate in Adam, and we fell from that. And the redemption of Christ uh, allowed us to to actually do one better. But let's let's before we get there, we're talking about an estate or a state, a state of being, and uh, Webster defines estate as status or to stand or to be set a fixed position, now generally written or a pronounced state, a rank, a quality, a fortune, possessions, property. Um, we say like, this is a man of a great estate. This is a man of great property, a man of great mm-hmm. wealth, a great standing. And uh, I think about what David said in First Chronicles, uh, said David King sat before the Lord and said, who am I, O Lord God, and what is mine house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And yet this was a small thing in thine eyes, O God, for thou hast also spoken of thy servant's house for a great while to come. It has regarded me according to the estate of a man of high degree. Mm-hmm. O Lord God, what, what, what can David speak more to thee for the honor of thy servant? For thou knowest thy servant, O Lord, for thy servant's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all this greatness in making known all these great things. David would write in Psalms 136, who remembered us in our low estate, <clears throat> for his mercy endureth forever. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus, picks up that line. And in her in her song, she said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For, thee, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Because the angel had said, Hail, thou art highly favored among women. I mean, the Lord is with thee. He is, I was at a low estate. I've been brought to a higher estate. And uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that while though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. So this is speaking of the financial aspects of redemption in regard to estate. Yeah. We lost an estate. We lost a state in a state in Adam and fell to very low estate. Christ in his poverty has made us rich. How, how, how rich? How rich? And that's when we bring into the concept or the principle of the kinsman redeemer. That makes all the difference, y'all. Yes. 
Okay? Because the kinsman redeemer doesn't just raise them to where they were when they lost it. He raises them up to where he is. Mm -hmm. Love it. Look at Ruth and Boaz. Moreover, you look at us in Christ. Christ is our kinsman redeemer through his redemption. Not raised us up to Adam's estate. He raised up to his own estate, never to fall again. That is my friend's redemption. Now, y'all, what do y'all think? What do y'all think? I want to hear. I want to hear some things. Hallelujah. What a savior. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Love it. That is precious. Yes. Does that fall in line with what we've been discussing or, or not? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. Y'all got any extra thoughts on the, on this or something else? Because I'm. What what was the price? What y'all said. You know, wait, let me say this, Mike. What y'all have said has brought me to this. So I mean, like y'all have blessed me. I've been blessed to come to this. This is sweet. This is good. Oh, stuff. it is. It okay. is. This, it this is. Is sweet. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. <clears throat> so to redeem someone like Ruth did Boaz, what did? Boaz pay to redeem Ruth. What did he, what was the thing that he paid? Did he pay anything? Money. It was money, I guess. I assume. I, I mean, know. he took his shoe off and, and uh, he lost his shoe. Right. Yeah. But yeah. he had to do, he had to make a claim. Uh, obviously he right. had to go before the, the, the elders of the, of the place and, and, and publicly before them all <laughs> claim yeah. what, uh, claim as his, what by law be- belonged to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if, if the story of Ruth tells us what Boaz actually paid. Does it? Am I missing something? Or? But, but Mike, I, I got a thought on that, if, if I can interject it real quick, okay. uh, since you're there. And Brother David, thank you for going down the path of the near kinsman and, and the imagery that we have in the book of Ruth, because it is, it's precious in, in so many ways. And I like to understand it better than I do. It's an interesting thing. If you go to Ruth chapter four, and I, I saw this earlier in the week, and I, I trust that I'm, I'm on track with it. Uh, you go to, to Ruth chapter four, and Boaz uh, calls aside the nearer kinsmen yes. with purpose, uh, calls aside the 10 elders with purpose. Boaz had specific purpose for the entirety of what he did, Right. And and he facilitated it exactly how he desired to. And he was motivated, highly motivated. No secret. He was motivated by love, motivated by love. And he wasn't near kinsman, but he wasn't the nearest kinsman. And so here's what the, the occasion came about. He presented the land that Naomi was going to sell. Oh, it became the property. Didn't it become the property of the nearer kinsman? Um, and the nearer kinsman said, "Yeah, I'll buy that property." Mm-hmm. See, his motivation was to add to his inheritance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boaz's motivation was love, mm-hmm. and what he did was not necessarily add to his inheritance. He shared his inheritance. Correct. Great point. The point you made, David, of us in redemption relative to the near kinsmen, it lifts us to their state. It brings us to their state. Yeah. Yes. Right? Now, Christ paid a price. (laughs) 
He paid that price not to us, but to the Father to mm-hmm. reconcile. Right. Right? Yes. Yeah. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. With, with Boaz redeeming Ruth, she became, in effect, if I can use the term, a joint heir in, in the estate. Mm-hmm. In the estate. What did Boaz pay, Brother Mike? I don't think he paid anything. It doesn't, we don't have record that I'm aware of, of him paying anybody for anything. He, he elevated, I believe, Ruth and certainly Naomi into his inheritance, into his estate. And they became, uh, if I can even go as far as to say, an an equal uh, participant in that. Does that, does that resonate with the lesson? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. yes. I was just yeah. reading <clears throat> as you were talking in uh, chapter four. Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was just reading in chapter four of Ruth, where it says, Now this was the matter in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe and Boaz said unto the elders, your witnesses this day that I have bought all that was uh, Limelech's and all that was Killian's and Malon's of the land of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise Mm -hmm. up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And I just want to say this. That's where the nearer kinsman said, I don't want it now. Because Boaz yeah. said, "Yeah, you, if you want the land, you got the land, but you also got to take uh, Ruth." And that's right. Law. That's right. You have to raise up that's seed right. to her dead husband, and that's when he said, "No, I can't pay that. I'm not going to. That's too much. I don't care how much money I had to maybe spend for the land, but doing what you just said, can't do it. Even though it's the law, I can't yeah. do it." Well, and, it, isn't it true, Brother Mike, that had had the nearer kinsman, and I don't, I don't want to go off too much into the weeds, but I think it, I think it's pertinent. Had the nearer kinsman gone ahead and done that, and, and he would have taken Ruth unto himself, and there would have been offspring. Okay, mm-hmm. that was the whole purpose, yeah. right? Right. So then who would be the, the rightful heir of the property that he bought, according to the law? It would have been the offspring, not yeah. him. Right. right. Not him. Not him. And when right. he looked, when he looked at his inheritance, and that's why I think he said. Now, this this will mar my inheritance. Not only do I have to share what I have, but I'm also going to have to surrender what I bought. Yeah, right. 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 So so his want to went out the door. Yep. And I believe Boaz knew it the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) But Boaz was motivated by love. That's where I was getting to. But that's that's where he uh, we see the parallels to Christ. Uh, yes, because there are things about the redemptive price that were very, shall I say, unpleasant to consider. It, it was a it was a very steep price. And the only one that could pay it was the only one, thankfully, that was willing to pay it. Amen. God, right. now, <clears throat> the price that Christ paid to redeem us was his blood. Right. It was yeah. the sh- without the shedding of blood. There, there is, is no remission. remission. And the reason why blood must be shed so far as I can get it is that 
the life is in the blood. I can't get more technical than that as to why blood, but it's something we can all understand without blood, you, you have no life. And you're, uh, you're right, Jerry, sin, sin cursed bodies do not have the kind of blood that would appease the wrath of God. That's why he's got wrath. It's because they have sin. So what can redeem them from under the curse of the law? It was the one who had no curse on him, but was made to be a curse for us. And in yeah. doing that, God found his satisfaction. And maybe this is maybe this is a sellout on my part to say it like this, but God, being God, can choose whatsoever he wants as to what the price is. And why it's he's the one that is being satisfied. So whatever is going to satisfy him, it doesn't matter if it would satisfy us. It ought to. <clears throat> mm. Joe, he Joe, decides. Yes, Joe. What, what do you? Am I saying? Am I? Am I off left field on that one? <clears throat> no, sir. You're 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 spot on. Um, I, I, a thought occurs to me, Mike, um, relative to Jesus' blood. It wasn't his hemoglobin per se, it was his death that redeemed us <laughs> a life of every living thing. Old Testament is in the blood. Yeah. There wasn't one single Old Testament animal sacrifice who survived with his life. Not one. one. Not they one. all died in the process of being sacrificed. It was Jesus' life that he gave, and his was the only spotless life available. Oh, that's great. Satisfy God. Hey, so, yes, amen. Spot what, on. What, what about this thought? I'll just throw it out to the peanut gallery. Those sacrifices by the bulls and goats and sheep, lambs, whatever, they were just that, sacrifices. Uh, and not to be too silly about it, but... Nobody went to the goat and said, "Hey, you're the Lord's goat. <clears throat> you're going to lose your life. We're going to slay you. We're going to take your blood out and sprinkle it on the Goats and the, the animals of the Old Testament sacrifi- sacrificial form of worship did not have a say so. They were not willing, voluntary subjects. True. And I think that willingness and that voluntariness—I know that's not a word—that was important to God. That is important to God. That's that is what would satisfy Him. It's not merely a sacrifice." but an offering uh, right. that, that indicated the offering was willing yeah. to do it. Lo, here right. I am in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do that. I delight right. I, so that's the difference between lots of differences, but that yeah. is a big difference between what Christ did and what yeah. nothing and what everything else that was sacrificed could never do. Right. <clears throat> you know, brother right. Mike, that, that also connects with uh, a train of thought that you were going down earlier relative to, uh, our responsibility as the redeemed, um, understanding the price that was paid, and also understanding that it is pleasing unto God when we present our bodies a living sacrifice, yeah. that holy and acceptable. That's an offering. That's the mindset of an offering. That's the mind unto of God. That's the mind. Of That's Christ. the mind of Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so, from a practical perspective. Uh, we we're to we're to mirror that we're to emulate that. So I, I appreciate you connecting it earlier, but it, your what you just said wrapped me back around to it 
uh, it makes perfect sense. Amen. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that clarifies even what I was thinking. Uh, <clears throat> is it right or wrong to say that based on what Paul says in Romans 3, 23, and then Ephesians 1 and 7, that there are certain things that we get because of the redemption that we would not get otherwise. Amen. So you talk, you talk, you touch that one on three twenty three, justification by His grace. Yes. In Ephesians, what is it that we get? What does He say there that we get because of the redemption? Right. I think it's the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Yes. That's right. That is a result of the redemption. Yes. Am I right? Am I saying that right? Yes. You sure yes. are. So the more we, you dear friends out there in, in uh online world, look at the redemption, not merely because uh, from that material way, but there are blessings you get from redemption that you would not get otherwise. It ought to make you more thankful and grateful to the Lord because you were bought with a price that afforded you things that you would not have otherwise. Uh, mm. Great things, wonderful things, things to come, things that, that are now. Somehow, David Montgomery needs to say something. It's a, it's a little too heavy this way. It needs to be going that yeah. way. I don't, surely you guys. I something. agree. Yeah. All right. So, uh, y'all, uh, somebody, one of y'all, what's the difference between redemption and, and atonement? There you go. Boy, in Texas, that's a big question. That was a big question at one time. <laughs> and that's why I'm asking. Yeah. Okay. All right. I really, I, I would like to hear somebody because I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I see Joe's ready. I'm waiting for Joe. I'll wait for Joe and Jerry. Because to add on to what David said, the qu the question, and we don't want to get into the negatives, but I think we need to just say it out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So as to help but anybody who may be confused. It would help me. I can tell you, I'll tell you that much. Some, some <laughs> brethren in the past have made a separation in time and space between right. when atonement yeah. was made and redemption was made. Redemption. Redemption was made at a time before the cross. Atonement was made on the cross. Right. 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 Mm. As That's if, a hair split I can't make. No. Uh, I, okay. I, I, tell us more about it, Joe. Yeah. Well, I, I, I go back to the point I made in, in my first paragraph. The Bible overflows with different titles, names, that trigger ideas and thoughts in us that all equate to some way or another to a single act that right. God performed when he saved. Uh, saved is the big generic umbrella. Hey, I, don't, I don't see all of these things as isolated boxes oh. under the umbrella. Amen. I see them as yes. one description after yep. another. Man, overlapping all each did. other, all contributing to the one big concept. Amen, amen, like amen, amen. He did A here and then, he did B there and then, and it's all separated and, and, and disintegrated. No. It doesn't make sense. You no. can't get that, that kind of separation supported by Scripture. The big concept is supported by scripture. For example, the Romans 3.24 we discussed, you yeah. have both a legal and a, and a financial term put together 
because they link. They're part right. of the same thing. They're right. not separate things. Right. So that's my peanut gallery contribution. Well, and, and Brother Joe, that makes just it's wonderfully said. I'm glad <laughs> this is being recorded because I'm going to go back and listen to that very <laughs> oh, paragraph. Did right I there. hit the record that button? Was oh, wonderfully please, said. Please. Don't hold my feet to the fire. Oh, thank goodness. But it is doesn't recorded. it make sense? Because we serve the God of glory who knows the end from the beginning. Right? Is. He is yeah. he is the eternal God. Yes. We look at things from the perspective of time, from increments of time, from moments, from, and aligning things up. We're, we're talking about the, the grace that come, uh, the salvation that comes by the sovereign grace of an eternal God who everything before him is right now. is He needs no distinction as it relates to the work of Christ on the cross. And the way that you said that just absolutely it, it it rings so true brother so so true thank god for it yeah so we could say like were we saved when we were redeemed or were we saved when we were atoned the answer is yes yes <laughs> <laughs> and reconciled what were we saying when we were reconciled yes that's right uh, that's right brother david yeah. the answer yeah. is let, me, yes. let me give you a bible example of what we're talking about romans 5 Okay. I'm going to read just a few verses. How many of yeah. these terms show up in this reading? Think in terms of all of these, these, these technical terms we're discussing. How many of them are integrated and blended together in this reading? Start with verse 8. There God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved, saved. from wrath. <laughs> oh, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, reconciled. to God the death of oh. his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Oh. And not only so, so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The atonement. Oh, <laughs> things all wrapped together there in one package. If you want to get separate them into boxes, they're integrated. <laughs> But oh, why didn't he say God. redemption, Joe? That would have made our uh, our session so much better. <laughs> it's there. It's all there. It is there. It's 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 chapter is. eight. <laughs> uh, yeah. It certainly it's, is. It's been there for ever since Paul wrote those words, hasn't it? I mean, yes. 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 Wow. It's all integrated. It's all integrated. I love. I love the fact that he says you're saved. We were. We are saved by his life because of what his death accomplished. We are. No, so the life he and, has, his glorified life, we have that because of what he did when he died. Because of what that accomplished. Exactly. Yes, that's right. And his death encompasses right. all that he did to get to that point. Uh, yes. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> sinless life. That's rich. <laughs> you know, I have. This this may be a we're running short on time, and this may be a good a, a a good way to bring all of this to a practical close. Okay, let's go back to a verse, Mike, that you quoted from First Corinthians chapter six. For ye are bought with a price. Mm -hmm. That's redemption. I mean, yes, you, you can't slice yeah. it any other way. Yeah, sure. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There's a subtlety that just hit me. I have, I confess, I have often misquoted this verse 
glorify God in your bodies. Mm. Oh, singular. Did you see that? You got it. Now I see. It's like, how could I not have? Uh Yes. Paul is writing to a Corinthian church that is at this moment divided, schismatic. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. Folks, if you keep your eye and your heart on what Jesus did for you, you'll stop your bickersmithing and you'll be united under his blood-bought banner. Glory by God in your church body as well as your physical body. I love that. Thank you, guys. That is a... Wow, and and what bigger smithing was? Is it? Did you say bigger smithing? Yeah, bigger smithing. I feel like I've been left out on something. Uh, but what a powerful yeah. truth for us today, and, and in any all, any case of any time. It. But today, yeah. we need to see oh, those all the more. This is the church as well as the individuals yes, that sir. comprise the church. That's right. Yes. Man, that's yeah. fantastic. Uh, uh, I love it. Thank yeah. you. Mike, you you mm. did it for me, and I thank you for it. Good, good, good job, oh, Mike. Shucks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, this, this is why I love these study sessions. I love them. I just, me too. They just yes. bring, you think you – but anyway, Dave, you got something. You, you look like you got something, Dave. Oh, no, no. I, oh? I, no, we quit, let's quit while we're ahead. Yeah, that's well, right. We're right at the hour. Hey. We started five after – to those of you who are wondering what, what we mean – we started uh, five minutes after the hour. It's five minutes after the, the most current hour. And so we have reached the hour, and, we, and not to tax it anymore. On that really good note, we're going to close. Um, yes. We thank you for watching. We pray that what we've said has been a help and not a hindrance, that you feel edified in the faith. And if you do, thank God for it, not us. Thank yeah. the Lord for it. And in Amen. any case, we give God the praise and glory. Thank God for such a wonderful truth, right? What a yeah. wonderful truth it is. It's so wonderful. And I say thank you, Brother Joe. Thank you, Brother Dave. Thank you, Brother Jerry, for, mm-hmm. uh, again, another excellent input and session. So anything you want to say in, before we close? Any, any final words, Jerry? No. Thank you, Brother Mike. Yes. Thank you, too. <laughs> yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you, and Brother Dave. Anything? No, I'm not. Good, I'm, Brother Joe. I'm After just, what I'm, you said, I'm, why would you want to say anything else? <clears throat> so we will say good night, and we'll have a closing prayer by our beloved Brother Joe. Would you lead us in a word of prayer, please? <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have treasured and given us in the simple testimony of Scripture the amazing richness and and encouragement of your word and your promises that in you are all yes and in you, amen. Thank you, Father, for the reminder that you paid a price and you shall claim what you bought and not not allow it to be taken from you. We honor and praise you for that rich truth And we take great comfort in it and give you the glory and praise for it. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. God bless.